Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. My very special guest is Teresa E. Gallion. Hello, Teresa. How are Hi, you? Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank um, you. All right, I'm so glad you're with me tonight. Are you ready to begin our poetic journey together? I think so. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I know you're ready. If anybody's ready, I know you're ready. All right, let's begin. Here we go. What is poetry, Teresa? What is poetry? You know, I've thought about that on several different occasions, and every time I come up with a different answer. And this afternoon, Mm -hmm. the answer became, poetry is the song of the inner self pushing its way into our outer consciousness. It tells the story that it wants to tell in that moment. The story continuously changes as the inner self being soul learns and grows from the experiences of the body that it currently resides in. That's what poetry means to me in this moment today. Tell me more, as a fascinating answer, tell me more about the inner self. I like that. Tell me more. The song of the inner well, self. I believe, I believe that all of us on planet Earth a soul, and we occupy a body, okay? Mm. And we each Mm -hmm. are eternal souls, and those souls come to earth to occupy the body, to learn and to grow. And as they learn and grow, they become closer to that divine spark of God, of higher power, or whichever way you want to believe or call it. So that is a very personal and very strong spiritual belief that I have, and that is why I always say that I'm spiritual, not religious. Yes. Yes, I like that very much. It's the song of the inner self, that to me is just a powerful, that's just so powerful, the song of the inner self. I like that a lot. I really do. Well, let me ask this question then. Why do you believe poetry is important? We know what it is now. Uh, Why is it important? I I believe that poetry is important because it's all about feeling. It's about healing. It's about motivating. It's about uplifting. It's about teaching. And all of these things are for the poet, but also for the reader or listener when they're ready to receive. Not everyone is always ready to receive a given message, but that's okay because I believe that we're all at different places on the pathway on our journey back home to God. All of that revolves around the journey for me personally. All right. All right. So much to take in, so much to think about. Well, let me ask this question. What are some of the predominant themes of your work? 
What do you talk about? What do you write about? Oh, I guess, I guess uh, a lot of my poetry uh, is spiritual and has a spiritual undertone. So there's a lot of things of spirituality, but there are also mm-hmm. things of nature, and nature is spiritual for me also, and also very sensual, okay? And yes. all of those things revolve in and out of my poetry. And underlying all of that, okay, for me, is love in all forms, okay, whether that be romantic love, friendship love, you know, love for a tree, love for a stone, love for a river, okay? It embodies Mm -hmm. all of that. Mm. Please share a poem. Okay. I, I want to share first a poem about rivers because of the fact that I've only been back from Egypt a good month now, and it had such an impact on me that I'm still reeling in Egypt in my head, in my dreams, and in my reflection. So uh, last week when I was walking on the river that's on the Bosque here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, this is what came to me. It's called River Reflections. My walking meditation draws me to the spirit of the Rio Grande, soothing in the morning light. I feel regal after the benediction of an Egyptian massage. No words to adequately describe the ancient hold of energy of temple ruins and tombs on earth in all their glory. Tease my many lifetimes sitting here beside the river. I am a remarkably blessed here in the Basque with a wave of New Mexico love light surrounding me. Gaze the eloquence of delightful cottonwood as it sings in green lyrics all around the river and me. I could shout my gratitude over and over again, and that would not be sufficient to express my joy to be home in my beloved New Mexico, reflecting on my journey. I touch the Rio Grande, step out of my body into the Nile River. I feel the weight of 4,000 years speak to me in tongues I can understand when it tells me I am still here. Mankind may pollute and abuse me, cause a temporary flu, but cannot destroy me. I will be here when all the pathetic souls of earth leave the planet, for I am eternal. I am the key of life. I am the fluid of life. I am the goddess of energy. I will survive another 4,000 years. I will still be here. My soul fears the, feels the cold vigor of those years, making me tremble in the magnitude of those words. It is the power of telling story in generational ways as we repeat the cycles of life and death and the river still flows. Coming back into my body, I sit on the Rio Grande, run my fingers across the water, feel the connection between the Nile and the Rio Grande and the essence of a river's flow. 
Thank you. That was absolutely beautiful. Give me a moment to allow it to settle into my body. Just give me one moment. How does a how does a poem start for you, Teresa? With an idea, a form, or an image? Actually, uh, it depends. It could be any one of those. But I believe, for me, it's predominantly the idea. And quite mm-hmm. often, the idea comes from, uh, I mean, it, it's predominantly uh, an image is what I meant to say. But the image comes from an idea, okay? And other times, an idea creates an image for me. So it can go both ways. Plus, when I am in, in, in the woods, because that is my sacred temple, words come to me, mm-hmm. phrases come to me, things come to me. So that's why I generally will have a journal or something in my hand because I will start writing. And sometimes that writing is very automatic, and sometimes it is very difficult. It just depends on where I am at that particular moment of time uh, in my life, you know, as I continue to evolve. So I would have to say that it's uh, predominantly uh uh, ideas. All right, all right. So let's go back to that particular piece of poetry. You shared that you were recently in Egypt and it's still percolating in your system, which is understandable. Let's talk about the purpose of that poem. What what came out of that poem for you? The power. of nature, the power of planet Earth, the power of souls to keep evolving time and time and over time again because I believe in reincarnation, okay? Mm -hmm. So I believe that Mm -hmm. we keep coming back, and the river is always there. And it then made me think about the fact that we think in terms of the United States as being young, but it's not the United States has been here, but the, of America, the American land so has been here. It wasn't called the United States. It's been here for thousands of years also, okay? So mm-hmm. you have these rivers. And it then made me start thinking about the power of rivers, that no matter what we do to those rivers, they still flow. Even if they go underground, they still flow. And I was so overwhelmed by just standing in the Nile River, cold as hell, Mm. (laughs) but just overwhelming thinking about 1,000 years ago, because that's mostly what we were looking at, history of 4,000 years of pharaohs and queens and their gods and goddesses, you know, all floating Mm -hmm. down this river. And here I stand in this lifetime, and I'm thinking about that. Okay, mm-hmm. and then it came all the way home with me, and then I'm sitting by the Rio Grande River in Albuquerque, and I begin to feel closer to that river. I begin to appreciate that river more than I had ever appreciated it before. So, and so all of this is wow. still rolling in my head. I I mm-hmm. cannot. I need to get to the woods. I haven't gotten to the woods since I get home. I need to get to the woods so I can come down because I'm still reeling 
in all of the amazing moments that I experienced when I was in mm-hmm. Egypt as well as mm-hmm. in, in Jordan because I went to Jordan mm-hmm. also. So I'm still reeling in all of that. I'm still writing, and the writing is just wow. <laughs> well, I, I, I would be remiss if I did not ask you, what do you feel that you learned about yourself? What did you learn about yourself from your trip? And how will your writing change as a consequence? Oh, I learned that I, what I'm learning and continue to learn is that I'm still growing. I'm still mm. expanding, okay? Uh, that is the main thing. And that I'm learning to the um, more and more the importance of living in gratitude because when I live in a state of gratitude, I'm always happy. And yet mm. still, even to this point, after 70-plus years, sometimes if I'm too happy, it's frightening because I'm like, oh, my, I'm too happy. What's mm-hmm. going to happen? Yes. It still pop up in my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How will your writing change now after this trip? I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that my writing will change necessarily, but mm-hmm. continue to evolve at the spiritual level because that's where oh. I'm. That's where I'm writing right now. Okay, mm-hmm. but that could change. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it just depends on where I am in my life. That's where I am right now. So right now, my writing is going deeper. You know, and just to get wow. you. You ask that question quite often, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly the question, but it, it evolved around the fact that, oh, well, I can't think of it right now. My mind just went blank. You may even ask it. And That's all right. Make That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> well, what I'd like you to do at this point is to please favor us with another poll. Okay. I'm going to read. The second one I'm going to read, again, is um, when I was in Jordan, uh, we went to Mount Nebo, and that is the place where Moses presumably was, okay? So, uh, but they don't know exactly where up there he was, but he was up on Mount Nebo. Very beautiful place. And there was a sandstorm that day. <laughs> so, I mean, I gave me a major sinus attack. Still being up there was kind of this amazing feeling, as if you may have been here before. So, I read a poem. Reflecting on Mount Nebo. Standing on the top of Mount Nebo, surrounded by the strain of a sandstorm, I cannot see the Dead Sea. I see the spirits of the pharaohs, images of their gods and goddesses, and I see Moses looking into the promised land. Souls on the color spectrum parade across my visual bridge from the ancient lands. I feel confused until spirit rushes my face with wind currents and my ears hear, oh, my souls are broken, stroking massive egos, drowning in pride and carrying material trash to an afterlife that does not accept gold or silver charms. Only light bodies may enter the heavenly kingdom. We 
poor homo sapiens do not learn. We still hold on to the sorcerer's greed. Thank you. Wow. You know, there is something amazing about your voice. The way you share, the way you speak, (laughs) the way that you emote, in a sense. What is the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice? Um, That was a question I had a feeling you might ask, and I thought about that. Um, Mm -hmm. I've always been a ham. I would, my mother said right. I was born a ham. I love to talk. Okay. <laughs> so I love to talk. Right. So even mm-hmm. from, as early, she told me, as early as age three, I was reciting Easter speeches that were at least 30 or 40 lines at that age. And wow. very proud of my little self, you know. And then I went into mm-hmm. grammar school, and I was the one who was always willing to read. A lot of these kids did not want to read, but I wanted to read. I love reading. And I love reading to people. And so my mom also used to have me read to her. So I think I learned the animation and the drama from learning and practicing. I had so much practice reading to her. And a lot of times the kids would say, please read in my place so I don't have to read that kind of thing. And um, I used to tell them, okay, but I get the candy afterwards, you know, being a little brat. <laughs> and then I got in high school. I got in high school. And I got introduced to Shakespeare in my senior year. And um, the teacher said to me, grabbed me off the question, she says, you are amazing. You should go be in acting. I said, I'm, you know, I'm just 17 years old. I don't know. Because I, read, I was reading Shakespeare, you know, in class. Mm-hmm. And I did. Mm-hmm. And so that, of course, had a major impact on me. So that's why I say I've been a ham all my life. And so as a result, I never have been afraid of reading. And mm-hmm. so I always, uh, just without even thinking about it, probably read a little bit more dramatically. It, All right. I say that the reading comes alive when I read it as opposed to reading on the page, that you get a different feeling if you're writing it. Yes, yes. Well, was there a specific early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? Does anything stand out? Yeah, that's the, I go back to the Shakespeare and senior class. Before, as a little kid, I didn't know. Uh, but mm-hmm. in high school, I realized that, oh, wow, this is powerful because the kids were telling me, you know, how great I was, you know, so that was feeding the ego, super feeding the ego at that mm-hmm. time. And I like mm-hmm. hearing you. I like hearing you read. So I think that's probably the major moment was then. All right. The other All right. time <laughs> Much, much later in life, when um, if I was reading at an open mic or a feature reading, and a stranger would come up and say, you know, I really enjoyed your reading, or I really enjoyed that poem, uh, that solidified the power of words, because I that, already knew words have power. Wow. <laughs> That's so nice. Share another poem, please. Okay. One more from Egypt. This one is called The Blue Nile. Peace flows over me like a soothing waterfall. 
My heart expands and love floods my bones. The ecstasy makes me float like a goddess. I cannot pull the words from my mouth to capture the feelings invading my brainstem. Perhaps silence is the best response. Gazing the first light of morning streaking across the blue Nile River, the inner pictures of my soul are not ready to release. They tease me with no mercy, and I yield and bend my knees on this sacred deck in praise of this river. Living in the moment is all that is necessary. I will never see the Nile again in this lifetime. So savor the endless love flowing through this morning and hold close my Turkish coffee. Thank you. <laughs> Turkish coffee. <laughs> wow. You know, all great writers to reach. Let me tell you, you want to you you wake up in the morning and drink that Turkish coffee. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you look good, though. You should have brought me back some Teresa. You should have brought me back some Turkish coffee. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. <laughs> all great writers <laughs> have great writing influence, and you mentioned Shakespeare. I'm not sure what there was an influence about, but you mentioned Shakespeare. Who are some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes? Okay. I kind of cheated on this because I had a feeling you'd ask me. <laughs> you know, because you're right. I, the the I haven't thought about all the questions you could ask because you ask some tough questions. You ask a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm going to trip you up a couple of times, so don't be ready. <laughs> There's so many, but I had to I had to focus in on the ones that uh, uh, are most most uh, pervasive for me. And of course, that All becomes right. Rumi and Hafiz. Okay, mm-hmm. I wrote a whole mm-hmm. book, Contemplation in the High Desert, in four line verse, which I refer to as Quatrains, based on reading wow. Rumi. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's Hafiz. Hafiz can make you laugh, can make you cry can make you sing, can make you dance. He's a trickster, the jokester, the spiritual being from another world. But I just I just love Hafiz, and he has a major influence quite often on my writing. I go read Hafiz, and I start writing and when I'm at home a lot of times. And then mm-hmm. there's Pablo mm-hmm. Neruda. Mm-hmm. I love Pablo Neruda's uh, um, love poem, you know. I'm just going to quote one line. Yes, I want to fill. I want to fill my mouth with your name, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful. I like that too. <laughs> okay, then, then there's then there's there's Emily Dickinson. I don't know. I I I just like Emily, and Marge Piercy. I mentioned because uh, years ago uh, when I was in college, I, for some reason I started reading Marge, and I just kept reading Marge and Marge's work. And when I thought about it, it's because I love her metaphors. They some they go so deep. So I like her a lot. And then contemporary, that is in the present moment, alive today, right now, where I can touch them, is two people who are very important to me, but their work has a big influence on my writing. One is William S. Peters Sr. William is my publisher, but he is an absolutely amazing writer, and he writes spiritual writing. He, 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 he does a lot of spiritual writing. He writes all kinds of things, but I love his spiritual writing. 
and I have several of his books, and a lot of times I'll go to one in particular called The Vine Keeper Still, and it starts me back on my spiritual pathway. And finally, Mary Desumba. Mary Desumba is, is, is a poet here in New Mexico, poet, author, art scholar, all that other crap and stuff, excuse me. <laughs> but most importantly mm-hmm. for me, she's a poet. And um, her work has a major influence on me because for me, she's a master wordsmith, and she captures you in the first line of her verse. Wow. Always for me. And I just, I am just fascinated by that, you know. And I'll go mm-hmm. back to her, her work quite often, her and William in particular, and her feast. Those are the three current ones. When I'm traveling, I usually take them with me. They, they didn't know that, see, but now they do. <laughs> now they do. <laughs> well, you know. If you had to pick a, a pick a favorite poet to serve as your mentor, could you name one? It would have to be Hafiz, but he's gone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> hands down, hands down, it would have to be Hafiz. I mean, because he sings to me. I mean, Hafiz is something else. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Teresa, what moves you to write a poem? What What is the what core moves? impulse that moves you to write a poem? What moves me to write a poem? Yes. Oh. I don't know. Um, I just, uh, my muse just pops up and just compels me to write. So if I refuse, mm. my muse says, put your butt down and put your pen in your hand and write. And I don't write all the time. <laughs> but there are times when I'm writing for days. So, you know, it, it, it just varies. I don't know. It's just something deep within me. And that's so, I think, working with me saying it's time for you to, to address this issue, or it's time for you to talk about this. It's time for you to to look at this, you know. It's time for you to revisit this, you know. Sometimes we suppress things that we don't want to deal with, and I think poets mm-hmm. often deal with that in writing. Right. Okay? Right. I know I'm guilty of that because I write a lot of stuff that I don't share. Mm. Well, we're going to talk about all of that when we return from this break. We're going to take a brief break, and we'll be right back. All right. Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with Teresa Egalian. Teresa, are you with me? I'm with you. <laughs> All right. I'm so glad you're with me, too. <laughs> Makes me so happy. Please share another poem. Okay. This one is called Come to Me. 
Come to me slowly and gently with your heart in your hands. Come to me with intentions that make me bend my knees for you. Come to me with passion like a spirited black stallion. Come to me exposing your nakedness, wearing the blood you shed in my name. Come to me with humility flooding your eyelids. Come to me with a song on your lips that praises my beauty. It is not too late to change your ways. It may influence my wrath. You may avoid coming when guilt and shame holds your throat. You may come and stand against my breast, believing you will get away with murder. But you will come as you must, and I will be unforgiving. You have abused me for the last time, and your day of reckoning waits. You bend your knees in sorrow, beg forgiveness, and I will crush you in perfect justice, for I am Mother Nature. Thank you. Mm. Wow. Mother Nature. Let's imagine for a moment that a poem is like a cake, all right? What would be some of the prevalent ingredients that go into the concoction we call a poem or a cake? Don't we go into that? What would you stir it up with? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I would get you. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew you were going to ask something I hadn't thought about. Uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Just roll with it. Roll with it. <laughs> I, I guess the main ingredient, the main ingredient would be nature, a bowl of mm. nature. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the wine of the river to stir all of the beautiful things within nature, the flowers, the trees, the shrubs, and all that other good stuff. And then we would sprinkle that with the power of spirituality so that the spiritual fairies would sink in and make that food rise and become a healing broth for everyone. <laughs> oh, I like that. I love that. You don't need to write that down and create a poem out of that one. Maybe you already have. But I'm really I'll remember it later. That just came off the top of my head, okay? That's the way my mind well. is. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Oh, I should not. Things that are right on the top of my head a lot of times I should not repeat. So I'm learning not to, but you know, I just let that flow. That flows through. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> so <laughs> let me focus. Let me focus. <laughs> they say, Teresa. That to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, musicians, artists, and poets. What do you think emerges naturally from your work? What emerges from you? Oh, 
feeling and emotion emerges naturally from me. I'm a very mm-hmm. deep person. And so I think that can be good and that can be bad for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes right. people cannot deal with deep feeling and deep emotion. And, and I can go there and I can go deep. And again, and, and in that arena also, I'm learning that I have to, to work harder on, 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 on observing and respecting the law of silence and not going too far all the time. But that's the major thing. All right. You know, do you feel or think that someone can be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotions? Well, see, I just don't believe that. Uh, a human doesn't feel emotion, okay? They all right. suppress or hide it, but I believe that all humans emotions, whether they express those emotions or not, and for whatever reason, may not. So the, if they're not able to express the emotion, it may be difficult for them to get something on the page, Okay. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you look at it from another perspective, perhaps getting something on the page will pull that emotion that they're suppressing out. That's just my perspective mm-hmm. on it. All right. All right. I understand. I understand. Please share another poem. Okay. Let's see here. Let's do, I'm going to do a poem from Center Love. Because, um, just because. And uh, this one has nothing to do with the type of love most people would immediately go to. This is called Red Rock Love. Red rock spirals, buttes, and mesas make a call to my soul. Lead me to an abyss of uncontrollable bliss. Only my awakened spirit can hold the feelings as I drop to my knees. Is this heaven beneath my feet? High on a drug called landscape, what can I do but surrender as my eyes scan the grandeur of the beloved canvas? Is this real or illusion teasing my eyelids, arousing my senses? This drug called landscape to my lifeblood but cannot resist my legs ache with ecstasy let me embrace this red rock Eden and fall in love again thank you that wow. was the first time that I saw the red rocks of Sedona that's what it did to mm. me wow I'm going to ask you three questions Teresa back to back and I'd like you to think about them <laughs> All right, are we ready? Okay. All right. <laughs> Does it hurt you to write poetry? If not, why not? No, it doesn't hurt me to write poetry. Uh, I okay. think, for me, writing poetry is healing. Because I think about some 40-odd years ago when I was writing in, in college. Ooh, 40-some years ago. That's a long time. Another <laughs> lifetime. Um I was writing down the pain, and at the time mm. of me writing down the pain, I didn't realize until later in retrospect that that was very healing 
And it wasn't that it hurt that I was writing it, but it helped to release the pain, release the hurt, okay? And so what I've learned over time, a lot of times when something is really bothering me, if I write, mm-hmm. it helps to get me out of it or lift me up, okay? So for me, yes. no, it, it, it's not. All right, it all right. Matter. Here we go. Here's the next one. Can you love a poem that says what you don't want to hear? <laughs> Talk to me. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I have to say yes if you're ready to receive. If you're ready to acknowledge whatever it is, okay, mm-hmm. because it's, it, it's, it's more or less dealing with something perhaps that you – don't want to deal with you may not be ready to deal with, but spirit has decided it's time for you to deal with it. You know, mm-hmm. so I mm-hmm. would have to mm-hmm. say yes. All right, here we go. <laughs> Could you write a poem that says what you prefer not to say? Say that again now. Could you write a poem that says what you would prefer not to say? Could I write a poem? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I could do that. Those okay, are the give ones me more. That a lot of times, <laughs> those are the, okay, yeah, I can. Those those are the ones that a lot of times I will not share. All right. Because All either right. I'm not ready to share either one, one. I may not be ready to share that with the world, or I may mm-hmm. be writing about someone about someone who I don't want to tell them openly, or I don't want to hurt them. They don't need to know. Mm-hmm. And they don't need to know. <laughs> you know. Right, I understand that. They don't yes. need to know. Yes. Okay. But uh, mm-hmm. well, it helps me to get it out. Because once you get it out of your system and onto the page, you release it. And um, mm. you can do what I call the ritual burning. <laughs> you said a campsite. <laughs> oh. You let it out. <laughs> you burn it. That is a way of wow. letting go. Yes, it is. Now, that being said, you can still pick something back up again after you let it go. That's part mm-hmm. of the process of evolving spiritually is that it keeps coming back to you until you are truly ready to let it go. And one day you let it go again and again and again, and you let it go a final time, and then it doesn't come back anymore. You know you heal from it. Wow. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> well, speaking of poetry, speaking of feeling hurt or not feeling hurt, have you ever been frightened or humbled by a poem that you've written? I I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if I've ever been frightened by one I've been written. I, I would have to think about that a while, and nothing is coming to mind right now. All right, uh, all right, all right. I have been, <clears throat> I have been humbled by some things that I've written um, mm-hmm. over time. And oh, gee, I was trying to think of a poem right now, and I can't. My mind just went blank. But I, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm almost certain that I've written something that that humbled me. Um, well, I mean, the first poem I read, I, the first poem I read to you, you could say humble man. That was the one I wrote about uh, the two rivers, the river reflection. Uh, yes. And, uh, why did, why did he humble you? I want to know. Why did he humble you? I want to know. 
why? Because, because of the power, okay, of mm-hmm. nature and the power of the river. That, to me, is humbling. So that's why mm. I happen to just want to think of that. The, the, the power of nature, just the sheer power of nature is humbling. So I guess in a way, a lot of times when I write nature pieces or I speak mm-hmm. on behalf of nature, that's humbling because I recognize that nature is so important and it's so powerful to me. And a lot of times people will say, are you a political poet? And I say, absolutely not. And then I write these native yes. forms, and they say that's very political. And I say, well, perhaps it is to you, but not to me. It's just simply wow. a message going out to the world and to say, these are warning signs that you're not paying attention to humans. You know, mm-hmm. nobody, yes. absolutely nobody can stay alive on the planet if we destroy the planet, Earth. Well, would you be willing to share that first piece again or share another piece that revolves around nature? I'd love to hear it, the importance of nature. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, I'm trying to think. You know, I got so I got so much poetry here. You know, that's, that's yeah. Let's, let's do this one right here. Let's do this one. Okay. This one, I, I, right. love, I love reading this one. It's called it's nature, and this kind of has a political overtone to it too. It's called Sequoia Great One. Over one hundred steps down to Sherman one of the oldest living things in America. A crowd of people peepers walk beside me in a river of happy energy. We all reach the bottom step, wander along the paved pathway, and there he stands a few hundred stretches into the sky, a giant, giant, sexy round trunk, fenced in so he cannot be hugged to death. There is an orderly line waiting for a turn at the wooden fence to take a picture with Sherman. So un-American, such order is a massive tourist experience. What would it be like just before sunrise? Everyone is in love today with magnificence and the desire to get as close as possible to Sherman before walking the congressional trail. My thoughts rub the guilt of desire to touch Sherman and wander into the awesomeness of nature. Then I ask myself, why in the hell would someone insult nature by calling this tree General Sherman and the trail congressional? Mm. I look up, smile, and whisper, hello, great one. Thank you. Wow. And that's the Sherman tree in Sequoia National Park. You have to be standing mm. under that tree to appreciate the magnificence of nature <laughs> at that point. Yes, I can. It is so huge. I can understand it. Wow. <laughs> you know, Teresa, you've traveled the world. So much is happening in the world, good, bad, or indifferent. It's happening every single day, every single minute, to be quite honest. What do you view as being the role of a poet? in modern-day society? 
Um, I I feel that every poet has to sound an alarm in a way they feel necessary. I would not tell anyone mm. how to write anything because I would I do not accept people telling me what to write. But I feel that that there's a need for each poet to write what they feel is necessary to write in terms of messages out to the world. And hopefully some of those messages will get to ears that are ready to hear and to listen. Uh, mm-hmm. I always tell people I'm on that last part of my journey before I translate to the next level. And yes. it is the next generation that is going to inherit everything, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I'd like to read the poem to you of my message, if that's okay. All right. Yes, please. Oh. It's called The Peaceful Realm. You cannot reach the peaceful country with a heart filled with hate and bullets aimed at your fellow man. You cannot reach the peaceful country throwing war stickers at everyone who does not subscribe to your logic sphere. You cannot reach the peaceful country chasing, chasing those who are different from you and burning their feet. You cannot reach the peaceful country to join in harmony with all mankind until you learn to forgive yourself and others. You cannot reach the peaceful country until you surrender all negative baggage and open your arms to the broken. You cannot reach the peaceful country until all your ties with negative karma are cut. No one is exempt from the universe of justice. You may come to the peaceful country when you are ready to bend knees in love and wrap arms in harmony. Thank you. Wow. Just in a moment. Teresa, what do you hope readers get from encountering your poems? Um, I hope that it will touch them in some way that will give them an, a lift up or give them a healing message or give them a motivational message to do something that All they right. need to do. But that it will touch them in some way. Okay? Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, okay. that's okay, too. Yes. Yes. But that if it touches them in some way, that way will allow them to do what? To move forward? To expand their existence? What? Tell me a little bit more. Yeah, well, well, touch them in a way that will help them, yeah, move forward wherever they are in their life. Because I mm-hmm. believe that we are all on the path, on our way back home to God. <laughs> Also, okay. Okay. But All right. we're at yes. different places on that path, okay? And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And yes. so I always hope that maybe they will find something in my words that will help them as they're walking the path, okay? Mm-hmm. To help them relieve something that is bothering them, or help them walk better, or help them to feel better about it. But will help them move forward, mm-hmm. okay? In a positive way. Yes. Yes. You know, if you were a poet born during different era, when, where would you have wanted to exist? 
I thought about that one for a while, okay? <laughs> Did you? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> synchronicity. <laughs> Your last one, well, like, like you said, I've listened to a lot of interviews and I thought about that one, you know? When I finally mm-hmm. came up with, with, with two, one being that I thought, you know, I would like to have been an ancient ninja warrior. <laughs> Ancient ninja. <laughs> You've got to tell me about that one. Perfect discipline with perfect discipline in the martial arts, because wow. I personally feel that is very spiritual, and I think that would have been quite wonderful. I mean, mm. you would use it only if you had to in negative ways, but 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 generally speaking, you know, the ninja is perfectly disciplined, at least on the reading, reading that I've done. Right. <clears throat> All right. Okay. And the other one, All right. the other one, of course, doesn't relate to planet Earth, but I thought that it would be wonderful to have been an elf in another land, another plane of existence, because mm-hmm. I like fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> now, you didn't say being elf, E-L-F. You yes. said... <laughs> Some people view writing as being a living creature. You've heard me say it many times over the course of this program over the time that you've been listening. How does editing fit into well, your into your paradigm? If it doesn't if it doesn't come out fully formed, as I was just speaking of, just automatically it's like, wow, uh, I mm-hmm. tend to edit. And uh I tend to edit words more so than phrases. I substitute words in because a lot of times when I'm writing the word I want isn't there. I put a word in, and later I go back looking for the what feels like the right word for me, okay? Mm-hmm. And I edit mm-hmm. phrases. Mm-hmm. I edit words and All phrases right. a lot. 
Okay. All right. Uh, so I, I do that. I mean, I know some people may not believe in that, but I do. I do. I do edit. Okay. Edit, but occasionally okay. I don't because, like I said, every now and then it comes out fully formed. <laughs> and that's and it does. <laughs> well, let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. <laughs> back. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with the incomparable Teresa Gallion. Teresa, are you there? Yes. I am right. with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you're with me. You make me happy. All right. <laughs> this is a call-in show, as you know, and there is a caller on the line. And I'd like to bring this okay. person on. Hopefully, they'll want to ask okay. you a question. All right. Here we go. Okay. Area code 856 the first three numbers are 491. You're on the air with Teresa. Good evening. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Okay, yes. Uh, this okay. is Bill. Yes, this is Bill. Hi, T, how you doing? Hey, sweetheart, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. You know, you you know, if I was in company when you made that comment earlier, I would have blushed if I could. You almost <laughs> brought me to tears. But thank, but thank you for that humbling comment. You're most but, welcome. You know, um, well, uh, I mean, so far, great shot. You know, you know, I have nothing but love for your poetry. You know, otherwise we wouldn't have published it, right? <laughs> but I, I guess the only question. <laughs> The only question I, I have, well, I have a couple of questions. Um, one, when, when is your next book coming out about your travels? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, two, um, if you had a crystal ball and you were looking into the future, what would be your wishes for your poetry and what do you see your poetry accomplishing? Oh, wow. Very oh, nice question. I'm going to steal that one. That was great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh. You would have to come and ask a tough question, but I love you anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 working on my, I'm working on my next book. Uh, but, you know, I'm retired, so I don't feel compelled to have it done at a specific time. But the next one is going to be more spiritually oriented. I don't know that it will necessarily be of all my travels, but some of my travel work – uh, will be in there, but yeah, I have quite a, mm-hmm. quite a bit of work. I have enough to 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 produce a book yet, but I'm not ready to to release yet. The second okay. question, crystal ball. Oh. 
You all are wearing me out. (laughs) (laughs) I want want my portrait to be my legacy. Mm, Okay. So I, I want, I would like to be somewhere in the heavenly plains another lifetime and see some youngster reading my work and feeling inspired like I was when I read first read Emily Dickinson, you know, after several, okay. several hundred years, right? I, I, I would love to see, I would love uh, for that to happen. So I would love for that to for my portrait to go in that particular direction. And and generally speaking, you know, I'm going to write no matter what, but I would hope that um, I would be just like every other poet who's gone on, Lori, and someone will pick it up and say, I like this. <laughs> for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And for right. me, that would be sufficient. That would be sufficient. And I have one wow. last question. I'm going to put you on the spot with this one. Um, <laughs> I, I know. I like that you already, Bill. Years. I like you. <laughs> Put it on the spot. I like that. <laughs> I know that for years, um, you just spoke about legacy, um, and I guess this is a, a multifaceted question. You speak of legacy, but I know over the years you have been very involved in Albuquerque and surrounding area poetry scenes everything from spoken word to workshops to, you know, readings and book signings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I know that you introduced me at one time to a dynamic young man um, who you had uh, some impetus with and reference to his poetry, you promoted him and what have you. But tell us a little bit about some of your interactions with other young poets that – have inspired you or that you have inspired where you have put in a hand, taken and put your hand on them to help give guidance? Mm, great question. Well, I have to admit I haven't been doing much of that lately, particularly since the pandemic and, 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 yeah. and even before the pandemic because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've been traveling so much. Um mm-hmm. There's been one or two younger poets that I've sat down with and actually talked mm-hmm. to them about their work and where they were going. That would be the extent, in reality, of what I've done. But I haven't done anything major at all. And now that you bring it up, I'm thinking, you know, I probably should be doing more of that, but, but I have not been. But I have sat down with a couple of younger poets. Um, but in the last couple of years, I haven't even been going or attending any okay. of the readings for the younger poets. Mm-hmm. You know, Teresa, I, I want to share. Let you know, <laughs> I wanted to say, I just want to let you know, just so you know, that um, over the years you have been very inspiring to me as well. You know, mm. um, not only with your travels, but with your poetry and with that sisterhood spirit of yours. So as a younger poet, you know, I, I just want to let you know that, you know, this is one young man you have inspired. <laughs> Thank well, you, I was going to share. Let me, let, me, let me jump in here for a second. Let me jump in. I am the host. Let me jump in. <laughs> I wanted to say, Teresa, don't devalue what you have done, as, as Bill just said. You've probably influenced people that you'll never know. Yep. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. all I want to say. And that's one of the things with poets. 
is that, you know, as a poet, and Teresa, you can attest to this, many times years ago by, and someone that you never knew, like, like the gentleman mm-hmm. said, someone you never knew, said, you know, I remember back in 1972 or 1988, you wrote this poem I read, and it helped change my life. And you didn't yes. even know this person even read you. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, not everybody, you know, uh, makes a comment or hits like on Facebook or a blog mm-hmm. site. Um, after reading the work. And I find a lot mm-hmm. more people read our work than we can acknowledge. Mm. That is true. Did you hear that, Teresa? Yeah. Did you take it in? Oh, yeah, I hear him. I know him, well. I know him very well. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I can tell he's a fan. <laughs> well, Bill, thank you for calling in, all right? Well, I thank you for having me, and you're doing a great job, and um, keep her in line, you know. I will. <laughs> well, if I don't, then you will, all right? <laughs> all right. <laughs> thank you, sir. All okay. right. <laughs> Teresa, <laughs> favor us <Yes>. with a poll. <laughs> okay. Is this the last one? It's all, we, we get in there, Teresa. Don't, don't, don't move too quickly. We get in there. Go ahead. <laughs> don't shut it down too quick, Teresa. <laughs> I know you need to go. But <laughs> I was going to read this one last, but I'll read it now. All right. It's called Woman, Woman of Value. And... Uh, I was thinking about Egypt even before I went to Egypt because I wrote this poem oh, wow. a few years ago. So Egypt is in my, in my past life somewhere. But anyway, it's called Woman of Value. If the Egyptians had not denied Nefertiti as a possible pharaoh, we might have missed the calligraphy that tells her story from the walls of ancient ruins. She still intrigues in the 21st century. I feel good in my retirement as I stretch beyond my comfort zone, discover the inner bliss of conquering fear. Like Nefertiti, I am powerful, and it flows from deep within me. I am made from the experiences of many lifetimes, recognize so much progress on my journey, feel my own inner strength, and know freedom like an eagle in flight. My season to blossom awakens my spirit. I face the forest, smile, and trees wink at me in admiration. My heart swells with gratitude for blessings that float in my river of life. My garden bears fruit from many years of toil, labor, sweat, rejection, pain, and suffering. I rise up strong from negative ashes, static radiance, with the vigor of a woman of value. Thank you. Wow. Mm. Wow. You have another caller, Teresa. You have Uh-oh. another caller. <laughs> Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> Eric, code 505 You're on the air with Teresa. Good evening. Hi. Hi. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. Yes. 
Okay, because I was listening also on the Facebook page and so also on my phone. So I'm really enjoying this show so much. I've enjoyed your other shows, um, Michael. But hi, Teresa. It's Mary December. I know who it is. <laughs> oh, now this is a pleasant surprise. I've, I've been thinking about you. So I'm glad you called in. Oh, yeah. Well, this is just wonderful. I'm loving hearing your interview and with Teresa as well, you know, inter, interspersed with her poetry. And so and, and so I also wanted to thank you for the wonderful, the lovely, just lovely um, tribute that you gave to me. Um, it's just, it means so much to me. And I, and I also wanted to just say a couple of things. Uh, one is I'm really thrilled to hear your poems about your travels because mm. I already know you as such a very deeply spiritual poet that always takes things beyond, you know, beyond the veil or, or what we, from what we see. And you tie that into nature so beautifully. I love all of that. But travel poems, I'm, I'm feeling like I get to travel at least in two ways. One is though I get to hear about places that I probably will never go. I mean, you're so well traveled. Mm-hmm. I'll probably never ever travel as much as, as you have or, and will. Um, so I get to see those places and then I get to also, I, I in a physical kind of way, but then I always be with your imagery and so forth. But the, so I get to experience that way, but then I also get to experience the spiritual effect of those mm. places. Um, so I really wanted to thank you for that. I'm I'm really excited about your these po- these new poems coming up. And then the other thing I wanted to say is that in and I and I know that Michael was asking this earlier about your your reading voice and I've always said this is just absolutely moving and phenomenal. Um mm-hmm. and to me and you were talking about your poetry being a legacy, which obviously on the page in a book it definitely deserves that. Um, but it's wonderful when you do do recordings because also hearing you read it, the way you read your poetry, it's like um, it's like you're honoring the poem, like it's with so much respect mm. and love, like you're loving mm. that, you're loving this experience with the poem. Um, so anyway, your voice is amazing. So I just wanted to make those comments and thank you so much, <laughs> both of you, for this uh, beautiful, beautiful um, um you know, show that uh, that you're that you're sharing with us. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling, Teresa. Any comments to your friend Mary? Any thoughts? Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. It means a lot to me. Well, it mm. means a lot to me too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right then. Yes, thank we, you we so have much, Mary. Admiration going here. So. <laughs> I like hearing that. That makes me happy, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, well, thank you both right. so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Just a couple more questions, Teresa, and we'll, we'll end this night on a high note. All right? Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. You've written three books. You've written three books, the latest of which is Scent of Love. All right? Does knowing that your poems are published and out there in the world, validate your being a poet, or are you content knowing that they're out of your system? Um, I don't, I don't know that 
I I don't know that I can say that it validates it, but it mm-hmm. makes me feel good. Okay. Okay. And okay. I'm pleased to get it get it out of my body, so to speak, and onto the blank page, and that mm-hmm. it is there mm-hmm. available for someone to read should they so desire. And it All right. will go on and on, like I said before, and it can become my legacy. Okay. All right. That All right. I don't know that mm-hmm. it's, that's necessarily validation, but I guess you could perceive it that way. Uh, for mm-hmm. me, it is an honor and and an also a blessing is what it is for me to have it hit the page and eventually someone appreciate it. That's oh, blessing. that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I like that. All right, one more question. I'm gonna let you go. All right. Okay. If you had to choose, maybe three more. If you had to choose a spirit animal, what would it be? It would be a, a deer or elk. Tell me I more. love those animals. Tell me. Why? I think they are just beautiful and eloquent animals, even though they are subject to so many different prey. And I just love mm-hmm. running into them in the forest because I think they move with such I think I think they move with such grace and eloquence, and and I love seeing mm-hmm. grace and eloquence, not only in people mm-hmm. but also in 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 the animal kingdom. So, um, All right. very nice. I just think it would be so 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 neat to be one, even though you can. All right, all right, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Teresa. Where can readers find your work? Where can we find it? Um. You can go straight to my publisher, who you just spoke to. That was William Bill, just Bill. Uh, I call okay. him William because I love the name William. Um, <clears throat> innerchildpress.com. Inner, that's I-N-N-E-R-C-H-I-L-D-P-R-E-S-S, all together, innerchildpress.com. And all right. forget, you know, just plug in his name, William S. Peters, and everything Peters will come up and you can get to it. You can also get to it by going to my website, which takes you essentially to him. Uh, and my website wait, is... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was the William S. Peters that you talked about earlier in the program? Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Very nice. Hello, William S. Peters. My bad, my new brother, publisher. That was him. All right. That's who you were talking to. You All right. Know. I like that. Yes. Yeah, young, man is 40, young man has published 40-plus books. He's amazing. Oh, wow. Every single day of his life. I'm impressed. But anyway, you can get there that way. The other place is oh. uh, TeresaGallion.YolaSite.com. That's mm-hmm. uh, Teresa Gallion dot yolasite.com that's at the bottom of my bio if anybody is listening and looked at that at the very bottom of the bio mm-hmm. is the website alright so readers can stay in touch through your website how else can they stay in touch where else are you located they, they can stay in touch through my website all they got to do is send me a message I'll get it okay and you're on my Facebook website. as well right you're and on I'm Facebook on, as well I'm on Facebook as well, so they can they can be, they can friend me if they want to, and uh-huh. they can <laughs> right. connect with me. 
they can connect with me that way also. Yes. All and right. if they like to watch, so, if they like to watch, follow people traveling, they'll like that because when I travel, I do post pictures of my oh, travels. Yeah. yeah, she posts a lot of pictures, and they're beautiful. <laughs> I felt like I was on the Nile River with you. <laughs> okay, Teresa. This is okay. Two things. One. What's next for you? You kind of talked about it briefly. You're working on another book. It's not going to be available anytime soon, I'm guessing, right? But you're working on another one. Maybe in the next year. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. I want you, if you don't mind, I know you're ready to go, but I want you to end with one more poem for me, please. Can we hear your voice one oh, more okay. time before you go? I'd love that. Okay. You're a nice way to end. Okay, uh, let's see. <clears throat> okay, I'll read this poem because this kind of goes uh, back to my childhood. It's called Cultural Fragment. Running up and down the black tar of summer, barely six, just finished first grade, ready to embrace a southern summer. Hot and humid sweat beads match the giggles of simple child's play. Marbles, spinning tops, checkers, dominoes. Stomachs full of grits and eggs. Children of poverty, rich in love and spirit, sheltered from the real world as much as possible. Loss of innocence is harsh sometimes. A picture of strange fruit hanging from a tree. God only knows where the boys got the picture, but we all know it is forbidden anyone what we saw as we cry under the acorn tree. And the afternoon shower comes, teasing the red clay dirt, dull, sweet scent pulling you. Mama's not looking. Sneak up the hill for a taste. Before Papa tells, those kids gone up the hill, and you know they eating that red clay dirt. Thank you. Wow. I don't want the program to end. I know we both need to go. <laughs> we both need to go. But I want to thank you so much to me, Teresa. You are a gift from the creator to the poetic universe. And um, I want to thank you for spending time with me, sharing your work, and uplifting and healing people who are listening that you may never know. But your words touch. They're extremely powerful. And I, I'm just so glad that I know you. Thank you so much for I am honored. I really am to have been invited and to be a part of this reading series. It is a wonderful series. And I am listening to a lot of the interviews, sometimes when they occur and other times later. So you know, right. tell your friends, they can listen to this later. It's recorded. They can listen to this later. <laughs> but, yes, I'm too well, honored to have been, spent this time with you. Thank you so much. Oh, I don't know what else to say, good people, other than good night. And as I share with you every week, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. All right, everyone. Good night. Be safe and take care of each other. All right.
Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com.